What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week 11 of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2017-2018 NFL season. We had ourselves a nice, tidy little week 10, especially straight up, so let's talk about it. What do I always say? Every week that you can get to double digits, you've had a good week. 14 games on the slate last week. We got 14 games on the slate again this week, but we got to double digits. We got to 10 and 4 straight up. You can never complain about hitting double digits. That has us 94 and 52 straight up on the season. I like to think that's a pretty darn excellent record because it's better than Dave Damashek's. Now, I, I, just, I just keep making fun of Dave Damashek. I shouldn't, but I mean, he gets paid on NFL.com to do the exact same thing that the progs do here for free. And you know what? We do it a little bit better. So 94 and 52 straight up. Against the spread, it was a mediocre week. I only went 6-8, and eight, unfortunately. Didn't hit the Monday nighter. I felt really confident about Miami plus 9, and the Dolphins decided to do Jay Cutler things. So it was only 6-8 and eight against the spread. That has a 74-67-5 and five against the spread on the season. Over-under, another successful week. We were 8-6 and six on the over-under, and I believe that is, let's see, 1... Uh, oh no, I thought I thought I had done better. You know, I, I, I'm over 500 uh, two of the last three weeks, and that's really good given that my over/under results have been terrible this season. So eight and six on the over/under has a 65, 79, and two on the over/under for the season. Now the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks I really want to brag about for a second because I'm pretty sure this is one of the best, if not. Well, certainly the best of the season, but it's one of the best platinum, gold, silver, and bronze results that I have ever had. Straight up, 4-0. and All four of them worked out. Against the spread, 4-0. and All four of the against the spreads worked out in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, which means it was four of my six correct against the spread picks this week came in my top four picks and the over under was three and one the only over under that i missed was of course the over under on the bronze pick where i'm now only one eight and one on the season so very quickly bronze pick i told you to take seattle over arizona they win that game 22 to 16 i win that against the spread because i took seattle minus five and a half before the line went up to minus six Silver pick, I told you to take New England over Denver. The Patriots clobber the Broncos 41-16. to So I got the against the spread of New England minus 7.5. And the over-under of over 46 points. New England almost clears that on their own. Gold pick, I told you to take Pittsburgh over Indy. That one was a nail-biter, a real uh, a real collar puller there for, for quite a while. But Pittsburgh wins that game. 20 to 17 got the against the spread because i told you to go indy plus 10 and the over under as it stayed under 44 and a half points and the platinum pick detroit over cleveland wasn't looking good for a little while looked like cleveland might have been on their way to their first win and then cleveland completely collapses late in the game detroit clobbers them 38 to 24 wins against the spread detroit minus nine and a half and wins on the over-under of over 41 points. Detroit almost clears that on their own. So again, 4-0 straight up, 4-0 against the spread, and 3-1 over-under. These picks are running white hot. Let's take a look at the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox Pick'em Pools for Season 6 of my show and Year 4 of Hatbox's Pool. We'll start in our pool, where I've now dropped into third place 
out of 35, and that is because of who won the week in week 10, but we'll get to that in a second. Third place out of 35, 804 out of 1145 possible confidence points. That is a clip of 70%, and we will take that whenever we can. That's a championship pace from years past. This week, I pulled in 94 out of 105 possible confidence points with my 10 and 4 record, so I made great use of the confidence points. That's a 90% clip from week 10, but it was not good enough to win the week. Shout out to our week 10 winner and the person who passed me for second place more than a Teelan. It's starting to kind of shape up as I don't want to call it a three horse race because the the rate the ratings the 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 scores are still so close but it's starting to it's starting to kind of get there between me 69 king who's still the overall leader and more than a tealan we're kind of not separating ourselves but we're we're showing up more and more often when we're talking about these like weak winners and stuff like that more than a tealan 12 and 2 in week 10, excellent week 10, 98 out of 105 possible confidence points. That is a clip of 93%. It's an excellent week, one of the best weeks we've seen all season. 69 King remains the overall leader, didn't have quite as good a week as some of the other people in the pool, so that just keeps getting closer and closer and closer together. 69 King is 92 and 54 on the season, 811 out of 1,145 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 71%, so that will tell you all you need to know right there. The top three are only separated by one single percentage point. It's staying close. We go to the hat box pool now where I remain in fifth place out of 38 managers making picks with my 94 straight up victories in the NFL this season. 94 out of 146 games played. That's a clip of 64%. We want to be closer to 70, but to be 70%, we would have to be leading the thing. So I'm comfortable with 64. We're continuing to go in the right direction. In week 10, I got 10 of the 14 games correct. That's a clip of 71%. So if you keep getting those double digits, you're going to be in good shape. Shout out to our week 10 winner, Alex49x2. I don't know if that's supposed to be 49 times 2, whatever it is. But Alex49x2 wins the week going 12 and 2, same as more than a Thielen. So 12 and 2, 12 of the 14 games correct. That's a clip of 86%, and that's fantastic. We'll also shout out Rel Eagles Fly, who remains the overall leader. Not only remaining the overall leader, but becoming the first in any of my leagues to hit 100 straight-up picks correct. They've got exactly 100 out of the 146 possible games to pick correctly this season. That's a clip of 68%, inching ever closer to that 70% watershed mark that you really want to have to put yourself in the top echelon of picking NFL games, straight up winners and losers. So shout out to more than a Thielen and Alex49x2 for winning week 10 in my pool and the Hatbox pool. And shout out to 69King and Rel Eagles Fly for remaining the overall leaders in those pools. Let's take a peek now into Fantasy Corner, see how my four fantasy football teams did in Week 10 action, and I ran the table in my leagues, went 4-0 and across my fantasy football leagues. There was one matchup that was close, came down to the Monday Nighter, but they could not make up the gap, so 4-0 and for this guy in Week 10. In the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, obviously picked up the win against Jamie Brunt's team. That has me now at 7-3 on the season. And if I'm not first place, 
I'm in the tiebreaker conversation. And I have a Week 11 matchup coming up against Tim Brashear, who is a fellow uh, NFL YouTube prog who's on the progs page. That's a projected loss for me. So I, I got some work to do for my Week 11 matchup against Tim Brashear. In the Progs League, I pulled out the win, uh, actually a pretty convincing win against Matt, the NFL Fanatics stat pack. That moves me to 8-2 and two in the Progs League, and I believe I'm still in first place in that league, or, you know, if I'm not first, certainly second. I got a Week 11 matchup against Geo Nose Fantasy, who has excellent projections right now, so it's a projected loss for me as well. Looks like I got a lot of work to do for my Week 11 fantasy matchups. So... Jamie Brunt and Stat Pack, thank you very much for the matchups in Week 10 and Week 11. Timmy Brashear and Geo Knows, Bridgewater's Finest is coming for you. I will take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the YouTube video, as well as description information on SoundCloud and iTunes, you are going to find all of my results from Week 10, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for Week 11 action in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox Pick'em Pools for Season 6 of my show and Year 4 of Hatbox's Pool. It is never too late to join the pools. As I say this every week, I know, but it's never too late to join the pools. You might not be able to win the overall, but you can certainly get yourself shouted out on the show for winning a week if your picks are good enough. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. We talk football all damn week long. There's a new banner coming up soon with your favorite NFL progs. Basically, you can find all of our pick videos there. Certainly by Thursday, pretty well all of our pick videos are up and there and viewable. It's a great place to go to talk football. we got a really great community. Make sure that you join up. You're going to find information on Nerd Tees, nerdtees.ca. Christmas is getting closer and closer and closer. And what better present to give to someone who might be a little difficult to buy for than a Nerd Tees tea sampler. You get eight little samples of various teas from various collections that Ruby has on Nerd Teas, and people can sample, see what they like, find a tea that they love, and go from there. Nerdteas.ca, use the promo code BWFINEST to save yourself 15% at checkout. And for Canadian listeners, free shipping on your orders over $50 in Canada. And the last thing you're going to find, of course, is the link to my Movember campaign. Kind of slowed down a little bit, but I'm pretty well halfway towards my goal of $200, which is fantastic. We want to make sure we get me there, get up over the top by the end of the month. I'm asking for your help. I need your help, and I'm asking for it. Mobro.co slash Bridgewater's Finest. The link is in the description below. Make sure you go there. If you have the means, please consider supporting my Movember campaign towards men's health, testicular cancer, prostate cancer, men's mental health, suicide prevention. The Movember Foundation is doing incredible work and I love fundraising for them every year. My mustache is coming in slowly. It's, it's much slower this year, but we're hoping that we finish strong for the rest of the month. Mobro.co slash Bridgewater's Finest. Another 14-game slate on the schedule. As I mentioned, let's get into our Week 11 picks in the NFL, we're going to start with the Thursday nighter, the Pittsburgh Steelers playing host to the Tennessee Titans. 
And this is a matchup of two of the hottest teams in the AFC. Both of these teams riding four-game winning streaks. Both of these teams leading their respective divisions. Tennessee in a tiebreaker situation there with Jacksonville. Pittsburgh now a full three games clear of Baltimore in the AFC North. For Pittsburgh, honestly, I think things are very simple here. Just we're, we're starting the playoff talk way too quickly. But with the AFC North, 9-7 and seven could conceivably win that division. And it's just a comment on the, the weakness of the teams behind them. Baltimore has underperformed. Cincinnati hasn't been very good. Cleveland is Cleveland. So 9-7 I, I, and seven conceivably wins that division. The team that wins that division may be the only team in the division that's over 500. Neither one of these teams had overly impressive wins last week. I mean, Tennessee beat Cincinnati, but they only beat them by four. And then Pittsburgh only beats Indianapolis by three. Those are two teams that these teams should beat and beat. I don't want to say beat easily, but they should comfortably win those games. And those games were anything but comfortable last week. But like I said, what is undeniable is these are two of the hottest teams in the AFC. It's interesting. You look at Tennessee, and despite the fact that they're 6-3, and three, they're being outscored on the season. Their, their net margin of victory is like minus one. So they might have won six of their nine games, but they're being outscored. What that tells me is in games that they lose, they're kind of getting blown out. This game, as far as I'm concerned, is going to be all about the run game. You've got two run offenses that are averaging at least 106 yards per game on the ground. And you've got two run defenses that rank within the top 12 in the NFL so far this season. Tennessee has the number six run defense in football only giving up 91.9 yards per game on the ground. Now, of course, Le'Veon Bell and the Tennessee two-headed monster are certainly going to test both of those run defenses, and the run defenses are going to have to come up big if their teams want a chance to win. I do have to give Pittsburgh a significant edge here on the defensive side, though, certainly when it comes to passing the ball. I think arguably Mariota is playing better than Roethlisberger so far this season, but in saying that, Pittsburgh's secondary is one of the best secondaries in football right now. Pittsburgh boasts the number two pass defense in football, only 182 yards per game through the air, and that's really where I think the difference is going to be. I like the Steelers in this game. Uh, you know, just aside from the fact that they're playing at home, based on the pass defense, I think Pittsburgh can probably come up with an interception or two, some deflected passes or two. The interceptions may not be Mariota's fault per se, but I think there's going to be a couple of turnovers on both sides. Both quarterbacks could throw multiple interceptions in this game, but I like Pittsburgh. I give Pittsburgh the edge on defense. I'm going to give Pittsburgh the edge in the game. So I like Pittsburgh at home to beat Tennessee, but I don't like Pittsburgh on the spread. On the spread, Pittsburgh favored by seven points at home, and really that's just too many for me. Interesting stat, Pittsburgh is only one and four against the spread this season as favorites of seven points or more. That is what they are in this game. They're only one and four against the spread. I got to take Tennessee in this one. I'm going to go Tennessee plus seven in a close, well-contested football game. Total in this game is 44 points. The two teams are a combined 7 and 11 over under so far this season. They split their games last week. But if you look at these two teams' last 10 games, so the last five games for Pittsburgh, the last five games for Tennessee, basically the last 10 times that either one of these teams touched a football field to play a professional football game. 
The game has ended with fewer than 44 points nine times out of the last 10. So we're going to go under on this number. It's kind of a middling number, one of those coin flip numbers, but based on their overall results this season and that stat of nine of the last 10 combined going under 44, we're going to go under 44 points in Tennessee, Pittsburgh. Let's go to Chicago now where the Bears are going to play host to the Detroit Lions. And anybody that tries to tell you that picking football games is easy, just look at these two teams from last week. Chicago should have beaten Green Bay last week. Green Bay backup quarterback. Still like, look, he's been with the team for a few years, Brett Hundley has, but still learning his way as an every week player in the NFL. Chicago should have won that game. They didn't. Green Bay won. Detroit should have walked all over Cleveland. And for a while, Cleveland was leading that game 10-0. And I just, like, I'm sitting there watching the game and I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is happening right now? So anytime anybody tries to tell you that picking football is easy, tell them they're an idiot. Cleveland, obviously winless, really not a whole heck of a lot to say about them. Less than, certainly well less than 20 points a game. Only 143 points scored in their nine games so far this season. Meanwhile, you look at Detroit, they've won two straight. They're trying to keep pace with the Minnesota Vikings who have reeled off five consecutive victories. So, but Detroit, look, they've won two in a row. They're playing better feel like they've turned a corner. Now they got to hit the road and play a game that really is no gimme. The Chicago Bears are not pushovers. The Bears may have lost two straight games, but I would argue, aside from Minnesota, they've got the best defense in the division. They're a better statistical defense than Green Bay, and they're even a better statistical defense than Detroit is. Then again, you get to the offensive side of the ball, and it's almost not worth looking at right now. You know, Detroit, uh, Chicago, sorry, Detroit. Chicago's only put up 150 points in their nine games. That's barely over 15 points a game. They're struggling to put up points. They've only scored 17 touchdowns. That is five fewer than anybody else in the division. And it may be, it is in fact tied for the lowest number of offensive touchdowns in the NFC. And if it weren't for, actually, they're tied for the lowest in, nope, sorry, if it wasn't for the Dolphins, they'd be the lowest, of course. I'll never forget if it wasn't for the Dolphins. So, look, they're having they're having a problem putting up points. Detroit gives up some points, you know. Uh, it's a little bit better, like 22, 23 points a game they're giving up. So, they do allow some points, but Chicago, they're just struggling to get it done. Chicago does a decent job against the pass. They're the number 10 overall pass defense, number 10 secondary in football. Against the run, they're kind of mediocre, sort of middle of the pack. They're giving up a buck 10 on the ground. And Detroit, the one thing I have been impressed with with Detroit this season is their commitment to the run game, even if it hasn't been always, you know, super successful. They're only averaging just under 83 yards per game on the ground, but they're still committed to it. I was surprised in the game last week to see that Amir Abdullah came close to touching the football again after, you know, really struggling the week before. But they went back to him. Clearly, they trust him. And th they have a commitment to running the football that hasn't quite been there in years past. So kudos to Detroit for that. And also, I can't help but root for a team that does the most with the least like Detroit they're only middle of the pack in terms of their total offense they're the number 15 
total offense in football. Just, uh, you know, I just actually just over 335 yards of offense per game. But with those yards of offense, they put up 27 points a game. So they're doing the most with the least. And I can't help but be a fan of... Even though the game's in Chicago, I have to give the Lions the edge here. Definitely the hotter team, trying to keep pace with the team that's in front of them, who has a crazy difficult matchup this week. Nowhere near an easy out, and we'll talk about that game in a few minutes. But I like Detroit here on the road in Chicago to beat the Bears. On the line, Bears are a three-point dog at home. It's worth pointing out all of Detroit's wins this season have come by at least three points so if you like them to win it's a smart play to go detroit minus three i do and that's the way i'm gonna go detroit minus three at chicago over under the total in this game is 42 points the two teams are combined nine and nine over under this season they both went over last week and detroit has gone over in four of their last five games it's a low number here with 42 points i'm going to tell you to take the over of 42 in detroit chicago Let's go to Green Bay now where the Packers came up with a surprising victory. As I mentioned, division victory last week against Chicago. Now they get to come home and they're going to face the Baltimore Ravens. Another stiff test in the secondary for Brett Hundley. Green Bay, it's just been the story of Green Bay's season, man. Injuries, injuries, injuries. Aaron Jones, sprained MCL. He's going to be out probably multiple weeks. Ty Montgomery re-aggravates his rib injury that's kind of been ongoing for most of the season. So he re-aggravated that. His status for week 11 is up in the air. It's possible that, I believe it's, what is it? It's Jamal Williams? Is that his name? I, I keep forgetting his name. But it's another rookie could be the one of the only healthy backs in Green Bay's backfield for this game against a Baltimore Ravens team that is not an easy out. But the Ravens, as they traditionally do, struggling a little bit on the road. They're under 500 at 2-3. and three. They've lost both of their games against NFC opponents. So despite the injuries, there are some things that are going in Green Bay's favor. In evaluating how Brett Hundley is kind of progressing as in his role here, this will be, I guess, his fourth start, I believe, if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm thinking correctly, I believe it'll be his fourth start. You look at how he performed against Chicago, who, as we mentioned, is a pretty good secondary. He completed 72 percent of his passes, was just a little bit over 200 yards. That number doesn't surprise me. He threw for a touchdown, which is only, I think, his second pass touchdown of the season. What was big for me is he did not throw an interception. Because he has thrown four this season already. So this is obviously a problem. Protecting the football. You can't give the football away. You're Green Bay. You're going to struggle in probably the rest of your games this season. Until your starting quarterback comes back. If your starting quarterback comes back. You cannot afford to give the ball away. So look. That's two straight games now. Because he didn't throw a pick against Detroit either. Two straight games now where Hundley has not thrown an interception, and that is very important for a young player's confidence. Now look, he's been sacked six times in the last two games, so Green Bay not doing a great job of protecting him. They didn't do a great job of protecting Rodgers. That's part of why he's not playing right now. And Brett Hundley, QBR of 110 in that game against Chicago. So look, he is progressing. He's progressing. He runs the football very well. He's had rush touchdowns in two of his last three games. Hundley is progressing. Is he far enough along that he's going to beat a pretty good defense 
in Baltimore who occasionally will just put up a goose egg. What I will say is whoever happens to be running the ball for Green Bay will likely have a fairly decent day against a Baltimore run defense that just is not playing very well so far this season and hasn't been playing well lately. They're allowing the, what is it, the fifth most rush yards per game so far this season, almost 126 yards per game. So especially if Ty Montgomery can get in there, because I would argue, even though he's basically a wide receiver, Ty Montgomery would be an upgrade at running back over the other two people that are on Green Bay's roster, one of which I can barely remember the name and the other one I have no idea. Also, wouldn't be surprised at all to see Ripkowski at fullback get a higher than normal volume of carries. I don't know why more teams in the NFL don't do that. Like, your fullback can be this monster bruiser runner. So, if you have a good fullback, why do you not run him more often? Anyways, that's that's just an aside. Baltimore secondary is better than Chicago secondary, undeniably so. Brett Hundley may struggle to move the ball through the air. And speaking of struggling to move the ball, just in general, we we talk about the Baltimore Ravens. They can run it a bit, almost 121 yards per game on the ground. They got an interesting two-headed monster there in Alex Collins and Buck Allen. So they can move the ball on the ground through the air. I mean, it's just been, it's been abysmal. They're one of the worst pass offenses in football, whether it's Flacco or it's Ryan Mallett or it doesn't matter who it is. The pass offense just, and it's been this way for a couple of seasons, hasn't really been there. So Green Bay can certainly, you know, stuff the box with eight guys, which sounds a lot dirtier than I intended it to, but they can really focus on stopping that run game with Collins and Buck Allen. And if they can do that, I honestly think Green Bay is in a decent spot here at home to win the game. I mean, decent enough that I think I'm actually going to take them. I'm going to go Green Bay at home to beat Baltimore. On the line, Green Bay is a two-point dog at home. I like him to win, so obviously Green Bay plus two. Total in this game is only 38 points, but kind of interesting. These two teams are a combined 12 and six over under so far this season. Both of these teams have gone over in their last two games combined. Baltimore has gone over in five straight It's a low number. I'm going to tell you to go over the 38 points in Baltimore, Green Bay. Let's go to Miami now for the game that never was. The Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Bucks making up for the Hurricane Irma postponed game from week one. And while I would have personally gone into this game in week one super excited because I thought Tampa Bay is going to be this great offense and they're going to put up a ton of points and be really exciting to watch. Instead, we have the week 11 Miami Dolphins and Tampa Bay Bucks, which woof. Dolphins have lost three straight. The bottom has completely fallen out of their defense. 224 points allowed in nine games. That's only two points more than the Jets, but the Jets have played 10 games. You look at the Tampa Bay Bucks. At the very least, the Bucks won last time out. They're three and six. They won last week. They beat the Jets. Uh, the defense hasn't been great. The offense hasn't been nearly what I thought it was. You got Mike Evans coming back from his suspension this week. Jameis Winston still a question mark. They may keep him shut down for one more week where they won last week and must be feeling, you know, fairly good about themselves. It's kind of interesting. Everybody in the NFC South is on at least a one game winning streak, which is really interesting. I think they might be the only division in football where every team they are. They're the only division in football where every team has won at least the last game they played. 
I'm not going to talk much more about this game. I like the Bucks because how the hell could you trust the Dolphins at this point? Like the Dolphins, sure, they scored. They got that second touchdown last night. Great. It was in garbage time to Jarvis Landry when it really didn't mean anything. Jay Cutler, I still, I have to, I, I can't believe, and I put this on Twitter last night even. I can't believe that Jay Cutler is still playing football. I'll read you my exact quote. Wow, who'd have guessed that when you sign a quarterback who's about to become a full-time broadcaster and didn't look like he gave a fuck at the best of times, even at his peak, you'd have a terrible offense that looks like it doesn't give a fuck. Hashtag Dolphins. And that pretty much sums up my feelings on this football game. I like Tampa Bay, even though it's on the road, even though I don't know that Tampa has actually, has Tampa won a road game yet this season? They were really good on the road last year. They haven't. They're 0-4. They're going to be 1-4 after this week. Tampa Bay beats Miami in Miami. On the line, Miami's favored by three points at home. How? Against a team that actually won last week? That doesn't make any sense to me. Tampa Bay plus three simply by virtue of the fact that they won last week. Total is 40 and a half points. The two teams are a combined 8 and 10 over under so far this season. The last three games each for each of these teams, they've split. One goes over, one goes under. Miami has allowed 20 points in six of their last nine football games. Their defense Look, they've got good names on it, but they can't stop anybody. So we're going to go over 40 and a half points since we like the Bucks to win in Tampa Bay, Miami. Remember how I talked about the Vikings being in the lead in the NFC North and Detroit trying to keep pace and that Minnesota had a really tough out this week? Well, the Minnesota Vikings, let's go to Minnesota. They're going to be at home playing host to the incredibly surprising so far this season, Los Angeles Rams. Rams, hottest team in the NFC West, still leading the NFC West by a game over Seattle. They cannot afford to take their foot off the gas pedal. They need to keep playing the way that they've been playing. And the one thing that I've noted about the Rams, because what had happened was they kind of had inverted from seasons before. In seasons past, they couldn't score any points, but the defense was really good. Early this season, scoring a ton of points, but the defense was garbage. And now the defense has kind of come around for them. Nine games played, they've only given up 162 points. That's three points fewer than Seattle in the same number of games. So the Rams have come around and they may well be the most dangerous team in the NFC and arguably are the biggest threat to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you look at Minnesota. Their defense has been incredible. Definitely, hands down, the best defense in the NFC North. One of the best defenses in the NFC. One of the best defenses in football. They're 7-2. and two. They've won five straight games. They're two games clear of Detroit in the NFC North, in the driver's seat of that division. Everybody else fighting for table scraps. They're two games clear, playing really well right now. In a game where the defenses, at least in terms of their scoring, the scoring defenses, they're basically the same. 162 points allowed to 165 points allowed in the same number of games. So they're basically the same. You have to defer to the team with a better offense, and that is head and shoulders, the Los Angeles Rams. They've scored, what is it, about 80 more points this season than Minnesota has. They've scored eight more touchdowns than Minnesota has. They're the better offense. I got to defer to them. I actually like the Rams in this one, which according to the line is an upset. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to take that upset. I like the Rams on the road to go into Minnesota 
and beat the Vikings. On the line, Minnesota favored by two and a half points at home. Obviously, I like the Rams to win, so we're going to go Rams plus two and a half at Minnesota. Total in this game is 46 points. The two teams are a combined 11 and 7 on the over-under, and they split last week. I don't really have a statistical reason for saying what I'm about to say. This is 100% a patented Bridgewater's Finest gut pick, but... I just have a feeling that this game stays under the 46 points. I don't know why, but it's two really good defenses, I suppose, is the reason, the the, the kind of cop-out reason that I can give. Oh, the defenses are really good. But, you know, Minnesota's offense, comparatively to Los Angeles's, struggles quite a bit. So I, I think I have to stay under on it. We're going to go under the 46 points in Rams-Vikings. Let's go to Houston now for the battle of the could-have-beens as Houston plays host to the Arizona Cardinals. Battle of backup quarterbacks, significant injuries for Houston on the defensive side, for Arizona on the offensive side at running back, and then even last week, they lost Tyvon Branch for the rest of the season. Can we just call this game the Injury Bowl? Because that would be great. Let's We're going to do that. This is the Injury Bowl. In a likely quarterback battle of Drew Stanton versus Tom Savage, who you got? Do I have to talk about this game? Because I would really kind of prefer not to. I mean, look, I don't expect either one of these offenses on a regular game, just just in a, in a regular average game. I wouldn't expect either one of these offenses as they sit right now to really do much in terms of point scoring. But I think where this game is going to be decided is on the ground when Houston has the football. Houston, the number six run offense in football, 128 yards per game on the ground. And you've got Arizona, a top 10 run defense, only giving up 97.7 yards per game allowed to running backs. So I think this game is going to be decided with the hands and the feet and the mind of Lamar Miller. And if he can have a good game, I think the Texans win. I think he has a good game, so I think the Texans win. I'm going to take Houston at home to beat Arizona. Neither one of these defenses are playing very well right now. They've both suffered injuries. The secondary is vulnerable, certainly with Arizona. So maybe Tom Savage can do something, but I have no faith whatsoever in Tom Savage or in Drew Stanton. I've talked crap about him basically since he was handed the starting quarterback job when Carson Palmer got hurt. So it's through the air. I don't think there's going to be much, but I think Houston's run game is going to be the difference on the line. Houston is actually a point and a half dog at home. I'm not sure why in this one, I like Houston to win. So take Houston plus a point and a half. Total in this game is 43 and a half points, and my original lean on this was to go under. Reason being, two teams are 7 and 11 over under this season. Their last two games for each of them went under, and since the quarterback change for both of these teams, so since the Deshaun Watson injury and since the Carson Palmer injury, these two teams have scored 20 points just once in five full football games. So originally I was like, oh, well, you know, slam dunk on the under, but honestly, the defenses are not playing very good. And I think these two defenses, the way they're playing right now, could honestly make the offenses look a little better than they are. And there are offensive weapons on both sides of the football in this game. So let's actually go over on it. I'm kind of changing my mind here, but we're going to go over the 43 and a half points in Arizona, Houston. 
Let's go to Los Angeles now where the Chargers are going to play host to the Buffalo Bills and kind of an interesting storyline developing here. Philip Rivers, starting quarterback for the Chargers, voluntarily put himself into the concussion protocol after their game last week. Voluntarily reported his symptoms. He's in the concussion protocol, so that's kind of a question mark as far as who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Chargers. And look, you, you got to take this into account. If Philip Rivers can't play in week 11, the Chargers backup quarterback is Kellen Clemens who over the last three and a half seasons has attempted 10 passes in a football game for 73 yards. Now look, one of those 10 passes, six of them were completed. One of them was a touchdown. So it, he could have done worse. He could have thrown, you know, three interceptions. But that's in three and a half seasons. What I'm saying is it's a gigantic step down for the Chargers who are struggling to move the ball anyway. And look, it's worth pointing out, these symptoms were self-reported. They were possible concussion symptoms. They weren't like, yes, these are concussion symptoms. And yes, you have a concussion. He's just playing it safe at this point. So we don't know. And that's the problem. We have no idea what the quarterback situation is going to be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this. I'm going to give my prediction for this game as if Philip Rivers is playing. If Rivers doesn't play... I'm sure the Bills win this game outright, but we're giving the prediction as if Philip Rivers is going to play a guy that's played something like it's over 190 straight football games, regular season and playoffs. One of the iron men in the NFL, certainly at the quarterback position. So we're going to assume that Philip Rivers is playing and assuming that Philip Rivers is going to play. I like the Chargers to win the game. Despite the fact that they're struggling to move the football, I look on the other side. The Bills' defense is not as good as it was earlier in the season. The Bills are only 1-3 and three on the road. Both teams have lost two straight, so something's got to give in this. I'm just going to give the lean to the team that I think has arguably top to bottom the better offensive weapons, and that's the Chargers, and they're also the team that's at home. So we're going to give the Chargers the lean here. I like L.A., to beat Buffalo, with the caveat being if Rivers doesn't play, pretty sure Buffalo's going to win. So either way, as we get to the spread, take Buffalo's side of the spread because right now the Chargers are favored by four and a half points. And I can't stress this enough. If you're a betting person, get that bet right now, an hour ago, because it's going to go down. Buffalo could wind up, especially if Rivers is trending towards not playing, they could wind up being a favorite in this game and it just gets really dicey. So, but take Buffalo plus four and a half. The Chargers are only one and three against the spread at home so far this season. And it's more than a field goal. It's too much for me. So we're going to play it safe, hedge our bets and go Buffalo plus four and a half. Total in this game is 43 and a half points, especially with the questionable quarterback situation on one side i think you got to go under the two teams are combined eight and ten on the over under and shockingly you remember a couple of weeks ago when i said oh my god these two teams have have split their last five when one's gone over one's gone under and oh that's so unique chargers and bills have done that over the last seven seven straight games where when one goes over the other goes under and vice versa so that's that's just kind of mind-blowing so anything this is the most unpredictable game of the week so we're going to take Chargers straight up but we like Buffalo plus four and a half on the line and let's go under the 43 and a half points kind of a gut pick on the over under 
but will go under 43.5 in Buffalo, L.A. Let's go to Denver now where the Broncos are going to play host to the Cincinnati Bengals, an all-AFC matchup. Denver, of course, as we mentioned, got embarrassed last week, and they now sit with the Chargers in the basement of the AFC West. And it's shocking to me to look at the Broncos, and from a statistical perspective, they've given up the most points in that division. They are statistically the worst defense in that division and you don't you think of Denver as a great defense and I think they are a great defense they've just been given nothing to work with on the offensive side Denver has lost five consecutive games so they're really coming into this game at the lowest of lows at the very least they get to play a Cincinnati Bengals offense that is kind of garbage right now and if it weren't for the Browns they would be far and away the worst offense in the AFC North Again, they've lost two consecutive games. The defense has been fairly good, has held them in some games. But both of these teams, look, the reality of this game, both of these teams are 3-6. and six. They've only scored 35 touchdowns between the two of them in 18 football games. This is not going to be an offensive explosion. And you know what? I'm... St- Still going to give the lean here to the Broncos. It's it's the secondary that's really been letting them down. But what we've seen is the Bengals on offense are really struggling to move the ball in any context, but certainly through the air. Cincinnati, the number 27 total pass offense in football, tied with Tennessee, only better than Miami, Buffalo, Chicago, and Baltimore. So, look, when your pass offense is worse than the Jets, worse than Cleveland, worse than Blake Bortles, way worse than San Francisco with a a starting quarterback that I still can't properly pronounce his name. So I feel like this is a game where Denver's really going to be able to ball out, play good defense, play that good, that solid Denver Broncos secondary defense, play that no-fly zone defense, keep Cincinnati off the board, and I actually really like Denver in this spot. So I'm going to take the Broncos at home to beat the Bengals. On the line, Denver is favored by two and a half points at home. I like them to win the game, so we're going to go Denver minus two and a half at less than a field goal. Total in this game is 39 and a half points. The two teams are a combined 10 and 8 over under this season. They both went over last week, and for the last five head to head matchups between these two teams, I think you have to go back to like 20. You got to go back a little ways for it. But four of the last five head-to-head matchups have gone over. So let's go over the 39 and a half points in Cincinnati, Denver. Let's go to Oakland now for what was my preseason AFC championship game. And with one team that looks fine and the other team, eh, not so much. The Oakland Raiders are playing host to the New England Patriots. I mean, I shouldn't crap on Oakland. They won the last game out, and they are second place in that division, but they're second place at four and five. So that's already more losses than I thought they were going to have all season. Honestly, and look, I'll I'll eat it. I was ready to anoint the Raiders as, you know, the, the, the second coming, to kind of anoint the Raiders as the ones that were finally going to take down the Patriots and, and everything. I had the Raiders going to the Super Bowl. Uh, that looks like my Super Bowl matchup of Oakland and Green Bay. Probably not going to work out, given that the two teams are combined 9-9. Nine and nine. Anyway, Raiders, as I mentioned, they won last time they were out. They're 2-2 two and two at home, so they're not exactly setting the world on fire at home. But hey, at least they're 500. They're getting outscored. Their margin of victory is negative 2 points. Given up 214 points in 9 games. They have scored 23 touchdowns, which is great. 
but the Patriots defense is not the same as it was early in the season. And you look at the Patriots, I mean, look, you're only going to say shining great things. They're the only team in the AFC East that has won in their previous game. They've won five straight, in fact. They're 7-2 and two in the driver's seat of that division, running away with things. 27 touchdowns in nine games. That's three a game. They're scoring a ton of points. The defense has turned around, is playing better. This is a really, really, really tough spot here for the Raiders. Not to mention, the Patriots haven't lost a game on the road so far this year. And just once again, like the Patriots, they just, they have these things fall into their lap and it just happens over and over and over again. Martellus Bennett just, just falls right back into their lap. The whole fiasco in Green Bay, I don't really know who's to blame there. It's just, it's, they just have these things fall into their lap. So it's, it's, it's crazy to me. It's, it's really, really incredible. So now they've got Martellus Bennett. They had Dwayne Allen who caught his first pass of the season and it just so happened to be a touchdown. So it's just the Patriots are just on another level and they're still on another level until the Belichick Brady era comes to an end, which who knows, it may as early as the end of this season, but as long as that's still there, they're still the Patriots, and I really like them this week. So let's go New England in Oakland to beat the Raiders. On the line, Raiders are six and a half point dogs at home. It's less than a touchdown. I'm going to tell you to take New England. New England's last four wins have all come by at least seven points or more. So I think you got to take it here. We're going to go New England minus six and a half at Oakland. Total in this game is 52 points. It's a high total with how well the Patriots defense has been playing lately. I realize why it's there. The two teams are 10 and 8 over under on the season. They both went over last week. Sort of the same thing we did with Pittsburgh, Tennessee. If you take New England's last five games and Oakland's last five games, the last 10 times that these two teams stepped onto a football field to play a football game, that game has finished under 52 points eight of the last 10 times that they've played. So only twice has the game gone over 52. Kind of a gut feeling, but I think this thing stays under. We're going to go under the 52 points in New England, Oakland. And the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks is the Seattle Seahawks at home taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Seattle, they're going to be without Richard Sherman. Looks like he's probably done for the year or certainly done for, you know, for quite a while. I'm pretty sure he's done for the year. So Seattle brings back Byron Maxwell. They just keep bringing back former Legion of Boom members to kind of try to shore the defense up to try to make a playoff run here. And they're certainly more than capable of doing so. But Seattle, controversy just follows this team around. Now you have the whole Russell Wilson thing where he... Went under the tent, but didn't go under the tent. Nobody asked him anything, and he kind of ran out. So now Seattle's being investigated for, I believe, circumvent trying to circumvent the CBA, circumvent the concussion protocol. So I mean, they could be fined, they could lose draft picks. Who knows what could happen with that? But controversy just seems to follow that football team around. Atlanta, they got it back together last week. They picked up the win in Dallas. That Dallas team, oh boy, without Zeke. That's rough. I thought they'd be able to win that game. Boy, again. And it's not like Atlanta looked crazy, crazy good on offense. I mean, they scored, I believe, what, 27 points? So, I mean, I can't poo-poo 27 points. 
but it was the defense that really came up and and really just clobbered Dak Prescott. So, I mean, they only gave up seven points in that game. So, look, that Dallas offense is entirely different. We'll obviously talk about that in the Platinum, Gold, Silver, and Bronze picks. But we're looking at Atlanta. So, Atlanta, they got off the schneid. They picked up that win. There are still only two and three in their last five. But, hey, they got that victory. They're up to five and four. They're not out of things by a long shot. They're two games back in the NFC South. We're talking Carolina and New Orleans at the head of that division. But they're certainly not out of things yet. Meanwhile, Seattle also won last time out. They're trying to keep pace with the Rams, who have won four straight games. So it's this is an important game for both teams. It's not like one team really badly needs this. Both teams really badly need this. Atlanta has to try to keep pace with those two teams in front of them. Seattle has to try to keep pace with the team that's in front of them. Makes for a good football game. I'll be very interested to see how Byron Maxwell tries to reintegrate into that Legion of Boom defense, whether he slips back into it like a comfortable pair of socks or or it's a struggle for him. And if it's a struggle for him, Atlanta could certainly do some damage here. Matt Ryan looked about as good as he's looked all season in that last game, starting to kind of creep back up in terms of total pass offense. Now, Atlanta could also be without Devonta Freeman. That's another question mark. Now, it's looking more and more like Freeman is trending towards not playing in this game. That's a downgrade. I Look, I have nothing against Tevin Coleman. I think Tevin Coleman is a more than capable, probably RB1 on a lot of teams. And I think there are a number of teams that would probably give up the sun and the moon to trade for him. We're talking first round pick and, you know, a, a key piece on defense or something like that. I think there are teams out there that would trade quite a bit to get Tevin Coleman as their RB1. So having him slide in there, it's not a crazy downgrade. It's not like a downgrade from Le'Veon Bell to whoever's backing up Le'Veon Bell. It's not that. But they're two different styles of run. And the fact that Atlanta can employ that change up, that change of pace back, and they're not going to have that option in this game That hurts against a Seattle run defense that's still pretty darn good. I think if this game were in Atlanta, I'd probably be going a different way on it. But the game's in Seattle. That's still Seattle at home. I'm going to take the Seahawks, but this is going to be a tight, tight football game. So let's take Seattle at home to beat Atlanta. On the line, the Seahawks are favored by three points at home. And originally, I was hedging my bets on this and taking Atlanta plus three. But the Falcons are only one and four against the spread on the road. So that's a tough call to make. I think it's only a field goal. I think I'm going to go Seattle minus three. Total in this game is 45 points. It seems like they're two pretty decent offenses. Let's look at it this way. Of all of the matchups this week, these two teams combine for the worst over-under record between the two of them. They're only 6-12 and 12 over-under. Their last two games for each of them have gone under. This is a bit of a gut pick because it's a middling number, but I'm going to tell you to stay under the 45 points. I think this is a close game. Could be something like a 21-17 or a 23-20, but I think it stays under the 45 points in Atlanta, Seattle. All right, folks, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 11. Let's do this. My bronze pick, where I am, 8-2 and two straight up, now 5-5 five and five against the spread, and still, boy, 1-8-1 on the over-under for this pick. We see the New Orleans Saints playing host to the Washington Redskins. 
Saints right up there with the Eagles as the hottest team in football. Seven consecutive wins. Now, for the first time in, I can't remember when, how long ago it was, but for the first time in eons, the Saints had 200-yard rushers in the same football game. Both Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara went for over 100 yards in that game last week. The run game is on point. The points are there. Drew Brees is still doing his thing. The defense is playing great. They're the best statistical defense in that division right now, having only given up 165 points in nine games. This team is rolling. And then you got the Redskins looking way, 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 way up at the Eagles at the lead in this division. They're under 500 at four and five. They're even on the road. They've won two of their four games, but they're under 500 against NFC opponents. That's a problem. They lost the last time out. They're only two and three in the last five. The game's in New Orleans. I feel really good about the Saints here. And they're still doing it. They're still doing it the way that they've always done it. Top five total pass offense. The run game is what's really changed here. They're among the best run offenses in football. In fact, they are number three behind only Dallas, who's not there anymore because there's no Zeke, and Jacksonville. Those are the only teams that have better run offenses right now than the New Orleans Saints, and it's showing up on the scoreboard as the Saints are averaging about 30 points a game, more points per game than the two teams in front of them. And of course, the defense. Top 10 total defense now for New Orleans. They're only giving up just over 200 yards per game through the air. Still a buck 10, still a work in progress on the run defense. So I think Washington, if Washington is going to do some damage in this football game, which they're capable of, I think it's going to be on the ground. And that could be a problem. They're only the number 23 run offense in football. Most of their offense comes through the air. And I think, Honestly, I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle to put up yardage and put up points through the air on the Saints' defense. Everything here is pointing towards the Saints. Could be a trap game. We're just going to we're just going to stick a pin in that. It could be a trap game, but I'm not feeling it. I'm going to go with the Saints. Ride the hot hand. I like New Orleans at home to beat Washington. On the line, the Saints are favored by seven and a half points. Initially, that seemed like too many, but I'm actually going to take that New Orleans minus seven and a half. All of Washington's losses this season, they've lost five games. All of them have been by at least eight points. That's a problem. When they're losing, they're losing big. I think they lose this game, so I think they lose it big. Let's go New Orleans minus seven and a half. Total in this game is 51 points, and you'd think, geez, with Washington scoring so many points, or sorry, with New Orleans scoring so many points, Washington's definitely capable of scoring points. This is going to soar over 51, right? Well, the two teams are 11-7 and over-under, which is a pretty good record. They both went over last week, or the last time out, which means before the last time out, they're only 9-7. and That's not quite as good. That's a little bit closer. These two teams, in their 18 games combined so far this season, have gone over 51 points just six times. That's only one out of three games that the two teams combined have gone over 51 points. So I'm actually going to tell you to go under. It's a little bit of a gut play. I think the Saints are certainly going to score their points, but Washington can play defense. So I'm going to tell you to go under the 51. So Saints straight up at home beat the Redskins. I like New Orleans minus seven and a half on the line. Under 51 points, that is your bronze pick. Of course, bear in mind, I'm 1-8-1 on the over-under for that pick.
Let's go to the silver pick now where I am seven and three, both straight up and against the spread and four and six on the over under that sees the Cleveland Browns playing host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think I have to talk too, too much about why I think this game is going to go the way that it's going to go. Cleveland is still winless. They, I think are only two and seven against the spread, whereas Jacksonville is uh, three and one against the spread in their road games. So uh, certainly like Jacksonville here, Leonard Fournette got back into things, but you know, was kind of understated. Didn't exactly have a great game last week. I think that changes this week. I think Leonard Fournette is a monster in this football game. So let's take Jacksonville on the road in Cleveland to beat the Browns. On the line, Jacksonville favored by seven and a half points on the road, makes Cleveland a seven and a half point dog. It's worth pointing out both of Cleveland's against the spread wins so far this season have come at home. I think they're two and two at home against the spread. So it's possible that they cover this. I don't think they're going to. Like I mentioned, Cleveland, they're still winless. Jacksonville's three and one against the spread on the road. So let's go Jacksonville minus the seven and a half points. On the line, the total 37 and a half points. The two teams are eight and 10 combined over under this season. They've split their last two matchups. So it's one of those things where it's like a slight trend towards the under, but A, it's a really low number at 37 and a half. I believe that's our lowest number of the week, 37 and a half. Plus, Cleveland's defense has given up 30 points in three of their last four games. So if that happens, Cleveland only really needs to score a touchdown in this game, which I think they will against Jacksonville. Wouldn't be shocked to see Jacksonville get a defensive or special teams touchdown in this game either. Let's go over the 37 and a half points, the very low number. So I like Jacksonville on the road in Cleveland to beat the Browns. I like the Jags minus seven and a half on the line over 37 and a half points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick where I am seven and three straight up and over under best over under pick as well as five and five against the spread sees the Dallas Cowboys at home playing host to the aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles, probably the best team in football right now. They are cruising. The line indicates that this is going to be a close game, but that's the only thing that indicates that this is going to be a close game. Dallas without Zeke Elliott is a shell of its former self. If he's going to be out, if he's going to be, you know, serving the next at minimum three more games, I believe before his hearings, so that would be four of the six total games. I mean, you know, you want him back, obviously, as soon as possible because your offense is nowhere near the same. But, you know, you've already served four games. Why not serve the whole season? It's an interesting kind of scenario. But Dallas, completely different offense. They only scored seven points against Atlanta last week. I would argue Philly's probably a better defense overall, top to bottom. Philadelphia is a top 10 total defense. And right now, statistically, are the best run defense in football so don't expect a lot of rush yards from the cowboys this week if they have to take it to the air dak prescott can certainly do some damage dak will probably throw a couple of touchdowns in this game but you gotta like philadelphia here the division matchup it's a chance for philadelphia to really just throw the flag down throw the gauntlet down and say this is our division we are not a fluke and we're going to prove it against a division rival against our main division rival in dallas you gotta love philadelphia here i like the eagles on the road all day in dallas to beat the cowboys on the line dallas are three and a half point dogs at home but i think you got to take philly here minus three and a half 
It's less than a touchdown. Dallas's defense is suspect at best. Philadelphia's last five wins have all come by at least five points or more. So let's take Philadelphia minus three and a half. Total in this game is 48 and a half points. I'm going to tell you to go over on it. The two teams are 11 and seven combined on the over under on the season. They split their last games. But again, Philly, those last five games, they've won them by at least five points and they've scored at least 28 points in those five games. I think Dallas could conceivably get to 20 here. So we're going to like the over on this one of over 48 and a half. So Philadelphia on the road in Dallas beats the Cowboys. I like Philly minus three and a half on the line over 48 and a half points. That is your gold pick. And the platinum pick where I am eight and two straight up and now an even five and five against the spread and over under. That is so awesome because if you go back just a few weeks ago, I was one and four. I was one and five in both of those heading into the week seven games. I was one and five through the first six weeks. And now we sit here week 11 and I'm at 500 at five and five. That means this pick is 4-0 against the spread and 4-0 over under in the last four weeks. Platinum pick running white hot. The platinum pick is the New York Giants at home playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs coming off the bye week. Giants, I believe, got embarrassed last week. Just utterly dominated. And I think that's probably going to happen to them two weeks in a row. Well, you know what? I can't, I can't say utterly dominated. But they did only score eight points after halftime and lost by 10 points to the San Francisco 49ers. As far as I'm concerned, the bottom has completely fallen out for this New York Giants team. Eli probably doesn't care much anymore. Ben McAdoo, I think it, the writing's on the wall that he's going to be gone if he's not gone by the time you listen to this video. Uh, I, I can't see any path for the Giants winning this football game. They've only scored 150 points in nine games. What we can say is the Chiefs defense, I don't trust them. I don't trust them any further than I can throw them, but I definitely trust that offense. The Chiefs are two and three in their last five, but they're still two games clear of the Raiders in the AFC West. So they're still in the driver's seat there. I guess they could afford to lose this game, but from a morale perspective, you can't afford to lose to the New York Giants. So we're definitely going to go the Kansas City Chiefs all day here. Chiefs on the road in New York beat the Giants. On the line, Chiefs are favored by 10.5 points. I feel like this might be a few too many. Um, I would have liked to see something like, if it was even like Chiefs favored by 9 I'd probably take that, but where it's over 10, boy, I don't know. The Giants can play defense. That's, uh, boy, this is actually really tough. Like, I had my pick, but then I'm kind of looking at, no, you know what? We're going to have to, I'm changing it. Originally, I was going to go Giants plus 10 and a half. I really was. I think this is debatable. Like, you could go either way on this one, but I'm actually going to make the change. We're going to go Kansas City minus 10 and a half. It's worth pointing out four of Kansas City's six wins this season have been by less than 10 points or 10 points or less. So them covering this is far from a guarantee. But look, I think from a morale perspective, I think the Giants are just praying for the end of the season at this point, just praying for death. So Kansas City will give them one. Uh, Kansas City minus 10 and a half. Total in this game is 44 and a half points. I think you have to go over on it. 
two teams are 11 and 7 combined on the over under they split their last time out but kansas city's last three football games have all resulted in at least 45 points being scored in the football game so let's go over on it over the 44 and a half so kansas city on the road beats the giants in new york we like Kansas City minus 10.5 on the line, but that's a coin flip. And over 44.5 points, that is your platinum pick. All right, folks, that is going to do it for your straight up against the spread and over under picks for week 11 in the NFL. Man, this episode has gone longer in the recording process anyway than I expected that it would. Let's see if we can't cut it down a little bit in the editing. But it is now time for the coveted comment of the week. For this week's comment of the week, we're going to go to my fantasy football victim from the Prague's uh, Fantasy Football League. We're going to go to Matt, the NFL fanatic, for our comment of the week from the Week 10 video. And it's worth pointing out, I think this is like the first time, maybe the first time ever, that Matt and I have been agreed with all of the picks across the board usually there are a couple of picks in there that we vary on like inevitably there's like one or two games that we don't pick the same but that past week in week 10 our all of our straight up picks were exactly the same which i don't believe has ever happened anymore or ever happened before rather so here is matt's comment from the week 10 video agree with all the picks straight up Disagree on Green Bay, Cincinnati, the Rams, San Francisco, and Arizona against the spread. So we're going to go back and we're just going to refer to exactly what my picks are. Green Bay, low scoring game could be 13-10 or 12-9 game for that game. I took Chicago minus three. I was wrong on that. So there you go. Cincinnati, I think Cincy can put up a better fight than Baltimore did. And they covered a five and a half point spread. But I think Cincy can do the same. Cincinnati, I took Tennessee minus five. I was wrong on that. So, hey, Maddie, there you go. That's two in a row. Rams, they should blow out the Texans just like they did the Giants, though the Texans will show more effort. So let's see. I took, what did I take? I took Houston plus 12. I was wrong on that. So, geez, there's Maddie, three straight. San Francisco, I'm hedging, and I you, you know certainly understand about that, but I believe I was wrong about that game as well. San Francisco wound up winning that game straight up. And Arizona, Seattle's offense is inconsistent, and on the road against a division rival, it'll be a close game. So, But I took Seattle minus 5.5. I ended up winning that one, but only because I got it before the line went to minus 6, which would have pushed it. So look, Maddie, you are on point with your against-the-spread analysis in this comment good luck in fantasy this week thank you very much and thank you for the matchup wasn't particularly close but my team strongly overperformed from what i expected them so there you go matt the nfl fanatic yours was the comment of the week from the week 10 video all right folks that is going to do it for week 11 in the national football league we're going to get you out of here on our cfl conference final picks and if you'll remember i had to go i had to run the table in the CFL playoffs, I had to get every single game correct if I wanted to finish above 500. Unfortunately, that didn't work. I only went one and one last week, which means I'm 19 and 23, which means I can finish no better than 22 and 23 straight up on the season. But that's what we're going to shoot for. So your CFL conference finals look like this. In the East, you had Saskatchewan who beat 
Ottawa last week, as I said they would. Saskatchewan now going to go to Toronto to play the Argonauts in the East Final. And in the West Final, we had Edmonton, who in my opinion upset Winnipeg. Edmonton now goes to Calgary to take on the Stampeders. But we'll go back to that East Final, Saskatchewan in the crossover at Toronto. This is a Week 16 rematch, and Saskatchewan was actually 2-0 against Toronto this season, outscoring them in those games 65-51. to Toronto just 3-7 on the season against the West Division. Two of those three wins did come at home, but they had a losing record in their home games against the West. I still like Saskatchewan here for the second week in a row. I think Saskatchewan is a crossover team, takes down the number one team in the East. Saskatchewan goes to the 105th Grey Cup Final, but who are they going to play? Let's find out. West Final, Edmonton at Calgary. Interesting to point out, despite the fact that Calgary is the number one seed in the West, arguably the best team in the CFL, the last time Calgary had a win at home against a team from the West was September 16th. We're going to be looking at two full months since the last time Calgary beat a West opponent at home. Edmonton has now reeled off four consecutive road victories heading into this game. They're certainly the team with the hot hand. Calgary lost in their last game at the end of the season. They didn't have anything to play for, and I realize that, but still, a loss is a little demotivating. Look, I got burned not taking Edmonton last week. I'm not going to get burned again. I'm actually going to take the Eskies. This is a big upset here, but I like the Edmonton Eskimos to go into Calgary, beat the Stampeders at home. Edmonton goes to the 105th Grey Cup Final to take on Saskatchewan. That is your Grey Cup 105 matchup in a couple of weeks in the nation's capital. There you go. There's the CFL picks. That's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Clearly, I have my editing cut out for me for this uh, this week's episode. Enjoy the games in week 11. I hope you enjoyed week 10. I hope you enjoy week 11, and we'll see you again for week 12. Mm-hmm.